Today on Ag News Daily. If we don't have weather to talk about, then we have to go back and talk about the USDA continuing to cut demand and what they will continue to have to do going forward if we don't find some global export demand, if we don't find, you know, some sort of spark. Listeners, welcome to a Market Monday, June 12th, 2023, Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney's back stateside, so we're here to bring you the latest headlines. We certainly are, Tanner, and I had some issues with technical difficulties last week. I, I got a conversation with Judith or the farmer I was staying with last week, uh, but couldn't find all my gear to get that off my SD card and into my laptop. So I'll be playing that conversation for our listeners later this week. Hey, there we go. It's still something for them to look forward. Have you had a chance to dive into the WASD report yet? I have looked a little bit, Tanner, and we're going to talk about that with Ted Seifert here coming up in just a moment to talk more about that report. But overall, it was a neutral report for wheat and slightly bearish for corn and soybeans. Big headlines here were we saw that the WASD report um, lowered expectations for Argentina's soybean crop by 2 million metric tons. Not anything major there. Uh, and we saw, this is not related to the WISE report, but, but, but was related to the markets today that we saw over the weekend headlines coming out that Brazil is experiencing some abnormally cold temperatures and frost is in their forecast, which could impact their later planted safrina corn crop. But uh, all in all, not a huge market mover and really weather is what the markets have been focused on, Tanner. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. And when we look at weather here, the Southern Plains are looking to have some severe thunderstorms that could add to the flooding issues they've already been having. Potential for up to two inch hail, as well as 60 mile per hour winds could hit the Texas Panhandle. It's torrential rainfall that could lead to more flash flooding. Severe thunderstorm watches are also issued for several counties in Texas and Oklahoma. Further north, storms are forecasted for parts of Wisconsin, northern Illinois, uh, but no severe weather in those areas. But uh, we continue to watch to see how these weather patterns are going to take effect on our markets, certainly something that we'll continue to report on. Want to also hit quick, again, another carbon credit announcement. Agro or Agoro Carbon says it's made $15 million in payments to farmers and ranchers in just the last two years. The Agoro Carbon Alliance has seen immense growth and success throughout the United States for their carbon program. Last year, the company's payments totaled $9 million across 24 states. They've signed up participants that uh, will sequester 5 million tons of carbon over the next 10 years. The 10-year contract program pays to change practices amidst the increase of carbon sequestration rates. Again, we've talked about this many times. It's cover crops, no-till, reduced tillage, nitrogen management, rotational grazing. But the biggest thing this program does is it does include ranchers. They're committed to working hand-in-hand with farmers and ranchers every step along the way. But it's good to see farmers and ranchers getting rewarded again, Delaney. It certainly is, Tanner, but farmers in Kansas are certainly not getting rewarded as we're continuing to watch drought impact much of the state. So far, drought has caused hay supplies to fall to an all-time low, causing some Kansas cow-calf producers 
to have to call their herd while others are wondering if they're going to have to follow suit, Tanner. But the dry conditions have impacted Kansas and that's been persistent all winter long and really has damaged quite a bit of Kansas hay ground. According to last week's crop progress condition report for Kansas, specifically pasture and range conditions are rated 37% fair, 24% poor, and 21% very poor. So almost 50% of their pasture and range ground is in that poor to very poor condition. And only 1% of those grounds are rated as excellent. So it could be argued, Tanner, that Kansas may be having some of the worst drought in all of the United States, especially as you look at those acres that are needed to graze uh, for cattle. Yeah, and it's important because right now the cash cattle markets are the most at its peak that they've been in a long time. They're still actively trading in all areas. The North led the way again with live cattle prices, but the Midwest and South are also seeing a continued bump. Feeder cattle mostly sold four to fifteen dollars per hundred weight higher than they did the week before. Calves selling two to twelve dollars per hundred weight higher. So we can continue to confirm that the front end supply of cattle remains extremely current, and cattle feeders are continuing to make good upon providing those cow-calf operations with strong profits. Wholesale beef prices also spiked higher last week. Choice box beef closed Friday at $332.93 per hundred weight, $23 per hundred higher than the previous week. So a lot of positive things moving there for the cattle market, Delaney. The June live cattle futures fell 55 cents on Friday, while still being the most active contract, August also dropped a little as well. However, when you look at feeder margins, we're continuing to see adequate profitability for all cattle operations. So it's important across the country for everybody that is taking place in the cattle supply chain that they continue to monitor their product and their procedures. We're looking at a potential of $300 per hundredweight uh dressed as far as cost going for fat cattle sales so uh all in all still strong on the beef side and ted's going to allude to that a little bit more in our conversation coming up well tanner last week late last week cargill announced that they will be selling their poultry farming and processing business in china the world's biggest meat market to a private equity firm as they said that weak demand and high costs continue to put pressure on their profit margins. The commodities trader has agreed to sell their Cargill protein China operations to DCP Capital, according to a company spokesperson. And this includes all protein China entities. And though that deal is expected to close here in late 2023, subject to regulatory approval, but they said all in all, poultry farming in China really is struggling to make a profit, and it just hasn't become a profitable business for them, even though they have an annual output of nearly 65 million broiler chickens to feed the Chinese citizens. Yikes. That's, uh, that's a, <laughs> a, a lot big of demand. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, looking at a couple of military-related items, NATO's biggest ever air exercise is happening today over Germany. 
the drill is aimed at sending a clear message that the alliance is strong and is still just as dangerous as when it was formed. The exercise is planned years ago and isn't tied to any current events, is what officials are saying, but they expect Putin to take note and are also preparing for maybe some uh, reciprocal actions. The massive NATO show is a show of strength. It's underway, underway right now with a lot allied forces making sure that security still remains a large focus. As we look at updates coming from Russia and Ukraine, more than 6,000 residents are in a temporary housing following attacks. The Belogorod uh, mayor is stating more than 6,000 Russian districts members are in temporary accommodations. 460 units of various ammunitions were fired in that district. 26 drops of explosive devices from uh, UAVs were recorded. The town right now is looking to be nearly devastated. Fierce clashes are being reported in the south and eastern ports of Ukraine, where they've made incremental gains offensively. Ukrainian forces have recaptured three frontline villages, according to the defense military. And conflict is continuing to intensify. Analysis shows that Ukraine has lost 16 U.S. supplied armored vehicles in the last few days, but they're continuing to push forward. We finally see floodwaters receding near uh, the Dnipro River as the rescue operations are beginning to come to an end after that dam has broken. So a lot of action going on in the military side of the world right now. Well, Tanner, in the banking world tomorrow, we're expected to see whether or not the Federal Reserve is going to continue their commitment toward 2% inflation. A lot of analysts are expecting that that mandate toward 2% inflation will still be the Fed's message, as well as what potential rate hikes are still coming for 2023. But who knows? It's any man's guess at this point, Tanner. Don't know if you have any more insight since you are in the banking industry. No, it's a lot of actually conflicting whispers. It sounds like there's um, almost unanimously within my network that half of the group thinks we'll see a hike and half will see us stall out. But the both of them are equally dangerous. If you choose to not hike during this period, what's that send a message to uh, those in the market right now? And if you do, how much pain does that continue to inflict? among our nation's businesses. So no, no clear answer as far as predictions go at this time. Tanner, I tell you what, I am almost all out of headlines for today, aside from chatting a quick farm bill update as we're seeing folks on both sides of the aisle work to get a farm bill out the door. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell is warning that it may be too late. The 2018 Farm Bill expires in just four months, and leaders of both the House and the Senate Ag Committees have not yet unveiled even a first round of text for the Farm Bill. And they said it's an unusually late start for a very time-consuming process. He said Congress needs to do its job and get this legislation across the finish line very swiftly. And it sounds like they're having a lot of issues, as they usually do, related to nutrition programs such as SNAP, and more, more importantly, uh, what work requirements will be required for those programs? That has been a big point of contention and continues to be part of the reason, it sounds like, that things are behind the finish line, Tanner. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I've just got a quick court case to bring back to light. Chevron versus the NRDC from 1984 is now being revisited by Supreme Court officials. There was a conversation in May stated that we may need to revisit the interpretation of that court proceeding, obviously, uh, that had been taken place nearly 40 years ago. And if it falls or the interpretation is different, it could boost the or it could take away the authority for federal agencies having control over private property. The deference could have uh, its judgment in basically examined by independent parties giving their opinions of how that case was heard and results produced. And if the Supreme Court takes the understanding of that case, which has been most often cited when you look at uh, the ability for access and control of private lands, it could uphold. So uh, we'll see here. We'll continue to watch the Chevron 1984 case, and we'll see what that has to say for landowners in the United States going forward. But that's what I've got for headlines today. What do markets look like? Well, actually, markets had a nice little pop in the overnights, and that carried through into this morning as we're still trading weather. It'll be important to see what we uh, gets reported on today's crop progress report, especially when it comes to the condition side of things, as we're still hot and dry in many parts of the U.S. But July corn today added 13 cents to close at 6.17 and a quarter. New crop corn added 18 and three quarters cents at 5.49 and a quarter. In the soybean pits, the July contract shed 13 and three quarters cents to close at 13.72, while the November added four and three quarters at 12.09 on the nose. In the July hard red winter wheat contract today, we shed a penny and a quarter to close at 7.96 and a half. And in livestock today, we get a nice little bump across all three protein markets. August live cattle added a buck 35 at a dollar 73.20. August feeder cattle added a nickel today to settle at 239.05. And July lean hogs get a nice bump today up a dollar 97 and a half at 91.60. We're kicking things over to a Market Monday conversation with Ted Seifred next. Well, folks, for today's hashtag Market Monday conversation, we are chatting with Ted Seifred of the Zayner Group. Ted, thanks for joining us. Let's dive right in here to chatting WASDE report from Friday. A little bit of a bearish report there, but markets seem to have churned right through it today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a weather market, Delaney, and that's really what we're watching, right? And there were some weather, there were some rains over the weekend, um, but a lot of people were disappointed with the totals that they were getting. Now, you're hearing a whole lot of different stories from the weather forecasters today. Uh, like, hey, you know, it hadn't rained for almost two months and then you did get rain. So like this is the start of a change in the weather pattern. But is this a change in the weather pattern that's going to be disappointing? Right. And so that's kind of what the market's trying to digest. And in the meantime, you have some concern uh, with with weather in South America. You're looking at southern Brazil having a possibility for some frost uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday morning. Uh, temperatures don't look like they're going to get much below the upper 30s, but there's always that possibility. So when you have these weather concerns, we, we go in to add weather premium into the markets. Um, and, and, you know, that's kind of what we did here. 
and to some extent on Friday, but we really followed through with that on Monday after, again, uh, what a lot of people viewed as a disappointing weekend. <clears throat> the question's really going to be, where do we go from here, right? Uh, there is some more rain in the forecast from Tuesday night into Wednesday. If that rain happens and that those totals are, are uh, as expected, then you're going to really start to fade away with this weather market. Um, along with, you know, if the, the fears of frost in Brazil, if those don't develop or materialize. Uh, then again, on the other end of that spectrum, if the rains disappoint, if the frost happens, one or both, right, then all of a sudden we have a, a, a growing weather concern and more reason to, to put in weather premium for these markets. And, and here we go. And what this weather conversation that we're having right now, Delaney, is doing is it is distracting us from the demand conversation, which is exactly what this market needs for the time being if we want it to go higher. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, no, it, it's, a, it's a good deal uh, because, again, you know, I mean, as you said, you go back to look at the USDA report on Friday, that was not a very bullish report. Um, it's easy for us to say, okay, that's because the USDA didn't change production on the corn or soybean balance sheet because they don't do that on that on this report unless we're extremely behind on planting. Obviously, that's not the case this year. Uh, so we knew production wasn't going to change. They change demand. They take away more demand, which they've seemingly been they've been doing that really every month. Um, and that's the story that that ultimately. Well, that's not good news for the grains. That's why we've been in the downtrend since the beginning of the calendar year. Um, and, and again, that's the negative part of the story. And if we don't have weather to talk about, then we have to go back and talk about the USDA continuing to cut demand and what they will continue to have to do going forward. Uh, if we don't find some global export demand, if we don't find you know some sort of spark. But again, for the moment, weather, distracting from that conversation, and maybe weather will be the spark to find some extra global demand. Uh, so in the, in, the, in the here and now, we're going to focus on that. Yeah, and that's the interesting conversations that I've been having, especially when you look at how corn reacted up since the report and soybeans have reacted down. Obviously, it's a lot to digest, but where does wheat sit in the mix? I mean, we had almost the most neutral report as it could have gotten there on Friday. And, you know, I think on, on Monday, you have corn finding some strength and wheat wanting to follow along somewhat reluctantly. Uh, but I don't think wheat had a whole lot to trade on its own on Monday. I think it was really more the follower of anything else. And if it's going to follow something, it's going to try to follow corn. That being said, I think there are some people that were disappointed that the USDA slightly raised yield on Friday for wheat when, you know, we, we, we look at a drought monitor, we, we followed that winter wheat crop all year long and said, wow, this is, this is not good. Um, so there was a little disappointment in that. And then also you're going to say, well, we're getting into harvest. You know, expectations are, are that we've, you know, progressed uh, eight to 10% on harvest in the last week. So we are going to get a little bit of harvest pressure. Uh, so I think keeping a bit of a, a cap on wheat, despite the strength that we saw in corn, I, I think the only good news that we have there is that if, and years where we have a bit of a short crop and the winter wheat crop, we get through that harvest pressure rather quickly. And I think that will be the case again this year. So I'm not looking for a tremendous amount of harvest pressure. I don't think that means that we're going to have to take a big new leg lower in the wheat, um, at least not just based on harvest pressure. If we're going to take another leg lower in the wheat, at this point, I kind of feel like that would be based on what's happening in the row crops. Uh, and again, 
for the moment, we're focused on weather and, and at least corn is trying to lead the way higher. Yeah, and Ted, you mentioned corn is trying to lead the way higher there, and it certainly pushed higher quite a bit today. But moving forward here, is there any reason to think that we'll tick back up towards the $6 mark, or is that just too far away for it to reach at this point? Nothing. Nothing is impossible, Delaney. <clears throat> Nothing at all, right? And hey, the 50 cent rally in the corn market, hey, we've done that since we put our lows in um, right about a month ago, right? So another 50 cents is, is very realistic to think if we continue to have the weather concerns that we, we had through uh, April and May into the first couple of weeks of June. If this is not a change in the weather pattern to cooler and wetter and something that is really going to benefit the crops and, and, and really give us a, a, a lot more hope on the corn yield, and we, and we stay in this pattern of, of missing out on rains and being really below uh, precipitation, if that continues, uh, and we have to start taking our yield down below 170, you know, into the 160s, you know, and into the low 160s, if that continues to, to trend that way, then yeah, you can, you can definitely uh, give corn a reason to go up and, and test that $6 or maybe even better than that, right? So it's very much going to be a, a weather question going forward. And, and this year, it seems like the weather, the weather market is being pushed forward. It, it's happening a little bit more, a little bit earlier than what it would normally would. And this pattern change is, is sort of happening uh, or expected to happen a little bit earlier than it normally would too, you know, going from the, the dry multiple the two months that we had into what is expected or hoped to be a, a more conducive growing season from here on out. And if that doesn't happen and weather stays the focus and we, we keep knocking away at that yield, then yeah, there's more upside potential for sure. So before we let you go, though, let's jump into the meats quick. What are we seeing here Monday as we uh, take a look at those markets wrapping up? Yeah, you know, follow, follow, follow through strength. You know, it's nice to see some bigger numbers on the board for that August hogs market, for example. You know, up 342. Wow. Um, the hogs are finally getting sort of their day in the sun after uh, uh, a couple of decent weeks of sort of picking ourselves up off the lows those hogs really hit the accelerator uh, today. So that was, that was really nice to see. Now, here's the thing. Today's high in the August hogs also is represented by our 50-day moving average. And that was sort of the near-term target on a bounce off the lows. So where we go from here is going to be a very big question mark. I would not be surprised if we were to see a bit of a correction. Uh, but ultimately, I do think the lows are in for hogs. Domestic demand, I think, is growing. People are starting to get a little bit, uh, I don't know, reluctant on, on the high-priced beef that we're finding at the grocery store right now. Um, and in the meantime, you still had cattle higher on Monday, too. So <clears throat> it was a pretty good day for livestock across the board, especially on a day where you had corn with double-digit double gains really everywhere. Ted, before we let you go, how can folks follow you or find you on social media if they want to chat with you a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. You can reach me directly at 312-277-0113. You can find us on the web at www.zaner.com. Uh, and you can find me on the Twitter. I'm at the Ted Spread. Great, Ted. Well, thanks for joining us for a quick market update today. Certainly appreciate your time. 
Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. Always good to catch up with Ted. That was a quick conversation, but we got all the nuts and bolts that were necessary discussed. I had a fun conversation with Nick Chulis of Farmer's Keeper uh, on the Farm for Profit podcast that we released today, Delaney, another unique look at where things are sitting. So if our listeners want more, they could always head over there. Absolutely. You can also find us on social media at Ag News Daily, where we share information and news and articles and all the fun things. And Tanner, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.